I could hear my oldest, who is 11, in the back seat arguing with her brother. And she's like, I'm going to bankrupt you. <laughs> what 11-year-old makes a threat of bankrupting somebody? Super shady guest. And it was like at midnight, I got notified that these people were checking in. And then at one point, like this older man came in and I was like, oh my God, like is there like services happening? I decided for many reasons that I wanted to homeschool my kids from the beginning. Your goal is like, I want to homeschool my kids. Think about like how that could look like for you and what needs to change in order to do that. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Shannon. And we are two women here sharing inspiring stories about fearless females to help encourage you to live your life unapologetically. Welcome to the Unapologetically Me podcast. where I have a special guest as my co-host because Shannon's out today. So Ms. Carolina Perez is on the show. She is a former teacher turned real estate investing homeschool mom. She's absolutely one of my favorite people. She's actually in my women's mastermind and we met a while ago and have instantly become BFFs. We're actually going on a riverboat, riverboat cruise this Friday. So if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see all about that. But welcome, Carolina. I'm so excited to have you today. Awesome. Thanks, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Okay. So you and I have been talking back and forth um, where we have these unique lifestyles of being able to work and stay home with our kids all at the same time. I'm curious if your family, because I keep seeing your beanie baby tree in the background when we're talking. I'm curious if your family has any um, interesting like family traditions for Christmas. Cause I feel like, especially culturally, a lot of people celebrate differently. Um, whether it's like you're from a different country or your family's from a different country, you're from a different part of the U S like we all celebrate Christmas differently. So I'm curious what y'all do. Yeah. So growing up, we always made tamales, which is like a Mexican tradition dish that we always make. Um, and we would like spend the whole week prepping and like making, uh, getting everything ready to like get these tamales ready. Um, so that was one that I did a lot growing up. Um, obviously a new one for my kids. They helped me decorate the Christmas tree. Um, so this year my kids are super into Beanie Babies. Um, so they're doing all the, they decided to decorate the tree with all the Beanie Babies. And my son actually wants to be a Beanie Baby broker. So he, um, like goes to thrift shops. Like we go, when we go travel, we go to new cities and they want to just hit up the thrift shops and like collect as many Beanie Babies as they can. And then they're constantly researching like what they cost and how much they are so they can try to resell them. And so he's on eBay trying to resell these Beanie Babies and doing all his research and homework. So it's pretty interesting. So that's a new tradition for us, but we also do like the elf on the shelf thing. Do you do that? I don't. I did when they were little and y'all, I suck at being a creative mom. Like that is not my skill set. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about, or so I love Orlando. He's, is he 11? Yeah, and, and he, every time I see him, he has a different like business hustle that he's working on <laughs> and like the way his little brain works. And I guess his brain's not little, but he's young. So like his young mind works with that. He's totally going to be some form of entrepreneur long before he turns 18. Oh, definitely. He has like a whole plan of, it's funny, I was overhearing him talk to one of his cousins and he has a whole plan of like making this like game that's in between like a Beanie Baby and Pokemon cards, like a trading Beanie Baby game. And it was so cute because I hear him talking and he's like, no, man, but we have to pitch it. Like we go to Ty and like we pitch it, like we put our pitch deck together. Like he has all of the 
the vocabulary and the language. It's pretty cool to watch them. And it's, it's cool too, to see how their mindset changes being around the entrepreneurship too. And like, um, for example, his cousin was like, well, you're not going to have enough money. And like, how do you have money to make that? And he was getting stuck on the details. And, and I loved it. My son was like, no, it's not about that. Like, we'll figure that out. It's just getting the idea. You know? So I think where they go to stuff with us and they hear us on these calls, because I'm sure they hear you on coaching calls during the day. Um, it's funny the things they come up with. I could hear my oldest, who is 11, in the back seat arguing with her brother, who was eight. And they were having this fight. And she's like, I'm going to bankrupt you. <laughs> and I'm like, What 11 year old makes a threat of bankrupting somebody when neither one of them even have a checking account. So I'm not exactly sure where that lingo comes from, but it's neat to hear, like, see how much they're actually consuming and like put it. It's not like they're just listening to us. It's I'm sure you're like me and like you, you, I know you listen to it. I know you do a ton of books. <laughs> you're an avid book reader. So my kids are constantly listening to these audiobooks in the car too. Right. So they're, hearing all of it. They're all like for our women's mastermind, the educational calls, like they're hearing all of that information. So they're, they're hearing all the lingo, the vocabulary, they listen about the challenges and how to overcome them. And I think it's just a great environment for our kiddos. So one thing with Christmas that we do, and this started when I was a little kid, I notice a lot of people when they gift open, they like have this free for all where like everyone goes and digs all of these um, gifts out from under the tree and like opens them and they're not really even sure what they opened. And you're like, wait, what'd you get? So my family does this thing where um, one person goes and they get a gift from under the tree and whoever it's to, they give it to. And then that person opens their gift and everybody's paying attention. And then once they open it, they go to the tree, get a gift, give it to somebody else. So it's this really like neat experience that takes I don't know, a couple hours because it's not like just this crazy free for all where um, obviously not the kids, but my family's drinking spiced wine. My mom makes this wine where you use like a red wine and a sweet wine and there's a whole bunch of sugar and cinnamon sticks and um, cloves and you cook it like in a, like on the stove and then you put it in one of those things. You know when like you go to like Panera or somewhere and you fill up your own coffee with those things that keep it warm. So you put it in that. And so everyone's drinking spiced wine and like just hanging out and having a good time together. (laughs) Yeah. As opposed to just like this free for all where we open gifts. And I actually really like that. And I'm, I'm glad that we do that instead of the traditional way of opening gifts. Yeah, no. And I love that we do it the same way. Like we, I like to take our time and everybody has to watch everybody open their gifts. I think it just makes it more magical to see what everybody gets rather than the free for all. But I love that. Um, and we have a, a punch that we make too, and I'm going to totally mess this up, but it's, um, poncho de noche buena. And so, <laughs> like, so it's like, but it's the kind of the same, but it's, it's not spiced wine, <laughs> but it's, although that sounds amazing. I got to have some of that, but um, it's just like a lot of like different, like, I don't know, like, I don't even know what's in it. It's like cinnamon and like apples and like, and then you just like cook it and like, it's, but it's like super delicious. I, there's a bunch of other stuff in there too, but it's the whole, that's the whole Mexican tradition as well. Cause we do a thing called posadas. There's no alcohol. No, there's no alcohol. Yeah. But I, my parents are like strictly no, <laughs> no alcohol. So yeah, but they have a, they, we have things called posadas, which is like, the supposed to represent like when you know they were going from one door to another trying to find like the manger you know all of that stuff so it's like a whole thing we do it we used to go to mass at midnight that kind of thing um do you have any traditions like that like mass and 
Midnight Mass. So Catholics go to Mass. Um, and for Christianity, it's a little bit different, but we usually do have a Christmas celebration or Christmas service. However, um, the church that we go to is huge, like thousands and thousands of people. They have five or six locations in South Florida and they have like 10 services for Christmas, but they're leading up to Christmas day. Like let's say Christmas, I think it's Christmas on Sunday this year or Monday. I think it's on Monday. Um, so they will have services like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leading up to Christmas. And because there's so many people who go to church on Christmas day or for a Christmas service that don't go throughout the rest of the year, they ask most of us who are members to be like, can y'all come to one of the earlier services on like Thursday instead of actual Christmas day so that there's plenty of room for the people who um, don't normally attend service. So we always go to one of the earlier services. Um, but then we watch the actual Christmas day service online. I freaking love the technology of online and not having to go places because yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. we tried it. There's a church across the street from my house. That's a, like a kind of older people, Methodist church. And, um, we tried to take the kids to their candlelight Christmas day service last year. They all fell asleep. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, yeah. we, I remember being a kid and I loved midnight mass. Cause I was like, that's the one time I get to like stay up super late. And they used to have, it, it would go on for hours. They would bring in different mariachis and they'd like sing the songs. And then we used to do, um, I actually, one year I, I had, a, I had to dress up as the Virgin Mary <laughs> and like, and we do a parade around the city. Um, <laughs> so it was like my senior year in high school and I was dressed up as a Virgin Mary and they had, uh, it, it's like the back of a pickup truck. So they decorated with flowers. It's like such a Mexican thing. So they like, what city did you grow up in? Uh, so I grew up in Diamond Bar, California, but next to us was a city called Pomona. And so that has a lot of like Latino families and stuff. So we used to go to a church there. Um, my parent, my mom's like primarily Spanish speaking. Um, so we were very involved in the church, but yeah, they dressed me up and then they have this, the whole story out of like where the Virgin Mary, she like, like she has all the flowers and they had the Juan Diego guy and he's like kneeling at my feet. <laughs> I was like, I had to stand like this for the whole parade. And there was a couple of times where the truck would stop really abruptly and he'd like fall on his face. <laughs> I was scared not to laugh. Uh, but that was definitely an experience. And then my parents are in their van and they have all the church ladies in there singing songs and they have the microphones that like go out. It's like places don't do stuff like this anymore <laughs> that little kids got to do that was so much fun. It was a lot of fun and we got a lot of candy and like it was just a whole thing. So it was a, a really Christmas was always like our favorite time of the year. And it still it still is. It's It's awesome. Do you and your husband exchange gifts? <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> uh, well, kind of. I, we get each other like one thing sometimes when we remember, but um, <laughs> we're really great at it. But we're not very gift giving people. We're just, I, we're more of like, I think you should take care of each other every day, right? Like it's more of the, the acts that you do. We're not big on like anniversaries or birthdays or like Valentine's Day or any of that stuff. It's It's kind of more about like, how we treat each other daily. How about you? Do you guys, are you going to do gifts this year? So my family, as in like my parents and us growing up are huge gift givers. And I don't mean that it has to be something like elaborate and expensive. My ex-husband's family, they gave like cars and like elaborate, crazy stuff. Um, my family is more really, really thoughtful and like truly have a skill of gift giving because I feel like gift giving is a skill. It's probably why I like picking out the swag so much for the women's retreats. It's like one of my favorite parts to pick out everyone's swag. 
But um, my dad is like this amazing gift giver. He comes up with the most thoughtful gifts that he's researched and like is really great at it. My husband, on the other hand's family does not give gifts. <laughs> and so it's been an interesting transition, like him coming into our family who like if you've studied any of the love language stuff, like gift giving or receiving can like legitimately be um, a love language. And some people get really offended by that. And they're like, I want me someone to buy me stuff. And it has nothing to do with like buy me stuff. It's like a way of um, receiving or, or giving love. And so we have been working on that skill. Um, it'll be interesting to see. This is our second Christmas together. Aww. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. This first one. Like how did the first one go? Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> he tried really hard. Um, but I think a lot of people give gifts from the things that they think someone needs or that they want to give them as opposed uh, to thinking about the person and what they would really like, like what would be a thoughtful gift to give them. Um, like for example, my dad last year, um, I don't know why he came up with this idea, but he decided to give my brother and I both gold coins um, to like obviously save as like an investment kind of thing. And he didn't just like go to the store and bought buy like gold coins. He specifically researched all the coins and made sure each of us had a specific coin. Um, and then he'd written out a plan. Like if we actually needed the money to like, here's how you can sell the coin. Um, you know, it was like really well thought out and super sweet gift. Um, my brother, as usual, wanted to sell his coin. So I bought my brother's coin from him. So I have both the coins now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my dad always comes up with some really strange something that, and obviously as I'm into investing, like I thought that was a really cool gift. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I know. Yeah. My husband, he, he, he tries, um, but you know, <laughs> I don't expect too much. Um, yeah, we just, we're not really big on the gift giving part. I don't know why with the kids. Definitely. We make sure we get the kids like a good, you know, good stuff, but the kids are always easier, I feel, right? Dude, like, they always have so many freaking things that they want. Like Arabella started, she's like, I have an $800 Amazon cart that I want for Christmas. Is my budget going to be like $500? I'm like, no, bitch, it ain't $500. <laughs> ain't nobody getting $500 worth of stuff for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially because, you know, there's like four of them now. <laughs> right? And they want something different every day. It would If they had like legitimately been like, I have wanted this thing for like six months and this is on my Christmas list, fine. But they come up with them like yesterday. And yeah. I, they actually have this rule now when they want something off of Amazon or they want something at the store, they have to want the same thing for a week. <laughs> and I get that that sounds like Heather a week's not that long. But my youngest, um, besides the baby, is six. And for her to want the same thing for a week is quite a while. Yeah. So they got to want it for a week before we're buying it on Amazon. It's so funny. I love how we train. So I've like taught the kids like, to just put things like for save for later. You know, you put it in the cart and then you save it for later. Because the same thing. They'll like, oh, I really want this thing. And I'm like, okay, put it for save for later. And then we'll, we'll come back and revisit it at a later time to see if it's like still the thing that they want. So it's kind of the same idea. Because you're right. They change it so often. You can't. Yeah, you can't. And then your it. house just piles up with all this crap that nobody needs. So. That's our new rule. You got to want it for at least a week. Yeah. yeah so I've been watching your stories and you're coming along really fast with your ADU. I'm actually really impressed with how fast the construction's gone with that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process? Yeah, it's really crazy. All right. So uh, for those who don't know, ADU is an accessory dwelling unit. It's like a in California back in like 2019, I think it was, they made it legal so that you can build an ADU 
uh, on any property. So that means you can, it can be detached, attached to your house, or you can convert a part of your house into an ADU. And now actually, if you're, if you live in the house, you can do an ADU and a junior ADU. So you can hmm. do, you can get two additional tenants if you live there. Um, this property we don't live at, so we can only do just the ADU, but, um, Honestly, it was so funny. I was reflecting on it this morning because a year ago I was literally praying on it, like, okay, because I know it takes freaking forever to build that ADU. Like it's such a long process to go through the county and get the permits and like the architect or architect. And it is a really lengthy process. So you have to be super persistent with it. And you know, everything, even the the construction part is actually the easiest part is actually building it. It's all the stuff before it. And then now, you know, obviously getting a renter and all that. So it's a very like lengthy process, but it's gonna, it's gonna bring in a like substantial amount of income for us every month. So it's definitely worth it. So it's the whole idea of having like your long-term goal in mind. Um, so yeah, so we're super excited. Uh, the ADU, we actually have final inspection tomorrow, which is crazy. We are so lucky. We got like the best project manager and um, co contractor. And they're both women, which I love. I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. It was this the original house you bought before you got married? Yes. Yeah. So this Okay. So I want to talk about that because I feel like w at one of the retreats, I think it was our Pigeon Forge um, Smoky Mountain retreat. One of the girls was having some limiting beliefs and she was like, compared to everybody, I don't own that much. And like, I feel like I'm not all that accomplished. And like, you and I were talking a little bit about the emotions and the thoughts that we have in our head, how they aren't like actual indicators of how you're doing. And yeah. that was the case for her because after I talked her through, she's like, I own 10 properties. And I'm like, okay, if you're in the room and you would love to own 10 properties, raise your hand, which was like 75% in the room, right? Yep. So I feel that way about this first house that you bought. And I think it relates to a lot of people because sometimes they're like, I only have two units or all I can afford is to buy one right now. So you bought this house before you got married, which was how many years ago? So this was in 2009. So <laughs> 15 years ago almost. Yeah, I bought that house a really long time ago. And honestly, when I, I had made the goal of buying that house, it was it seemed so impossible to me at the time. Like I was teaching, I wasn't married, and I was I just thought I was tired of renting. I had moved out of my house at 18. I had been renting all those years. And I was like, I hate paying somebody else's mortgage. Like I want to own something. And yeah, I, I had the idea of like, I'm going to buy a house by next summer. And I was super focused on that goal. And even saying it, I felt like dumb saying it, to be honest. I was like, I'm so dumb. People are going to be like, yeah, right. Like, how's she going to do that by herself? So you were and, 25? Uh, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, 24. No. Yeah. Was I about? Yeah. I'm like, how old am I now? <laughs> I'm 40 now. So whatever I was in 2009. Yeah, I was like in my mid-20s. But yeah, at that time, I didn't see, I didn't have any of my friends hadn't bought houses on their own. Like I didn't have people around me doing that. Right. So it was not, and even like my, I have two older brothers, they got married and bought their house with their spouses. My parents got married and bought their house together. So I've always seen it that way. Very traditional. Like you get married and then buy the house with your husband. Um, and so it was odd for people that I was buying one on my own um, rather than waiting to get married. And I was dating my current husband now. He's my husband now, but he was my boyfriend at the time. Like we were dating, but he wasn't part of the equation. And I remember telling him like, Hey, I'm going to buy a house next summer. And he kind of freaked out. Like, wait, what? Uh, and I was like, no, no, no. I, you, it has nothing to do with you. Like you can come or not, but I'm buying a house next summer. I'm just letting you know. Just like, you can come or not. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So you buy this house and this was 
when you're 25 years old and that house actually turned into part of how you became financially free. Definitely. Yeah. So that house, I've done a couple cash out refis on it to make other investments and get other properties. And, um, and then those properties I ended up renting out also. And so now I'm kind of circling back to that house and we're converting the garage into an ADU and part of like the sunroom. So it's going to be a two bedroom, one bath house. Um, and I'm like, I'm just so excited. So the house will essentially for in a lot of parts of the country, we don't have ADUs or ADUs, um, aren't necessarily attached to your house. Meaning like maybe you have um, your your traditional single family home, but in the back of the house, there's a, an additional dwelling unit, you know, another little building, like a mother-in-law's quarters or a pool house or like that that kind of thought. So, which is totally different from what you've done. Is So is the house essentially a tri- almost like a triplex now? Three separate families can live in it? Or is it so two? It'll be a duplex. Yeah. So it's I'm like a duplex. Of, yeah, splitting the house in half. Yeah, so I have a renter and she's amazing. I've had her, she's been there for the last, I don't even know how many years now, seven, eight years now. Um, so she's she's awesome. And then the so then the other side we're just converting that. So I had I had obviously notified her and talked about her and see if she wanted to stay through that process and inform her like of the changes and gave her like plenty of notice. Cause like I said, I've been planning this since last year. Um but she decided she wanted to stay and so we like renegotiated some things and you know, we're getting that ADU. Um, going. So, and I plan to do it through section eight, which is really great in California. So everybody talks about the California market. So expensive, but honestly, if you can get some land there and build and, or like get a piece of property that you can then build an ADU on it um, and then go through section eight, they pay really well for rent there. And it goes up every single year. Like it seems like every six months it goes up, like what they'll allow to pay there. So um, California's been really good to us, even though I know people talk bad about it. I was going to say, that's awesome to hear because all you hear is negative stuff about California. So that original house that you bought when you were 25 years old, what does it, when you fin- when your ADU is finished, which is soon, what will it cash flow every month? Um, so we anticipate the ADU itself, uh, right now, Section 8 is paying about $3,052 for a two-bedroom, one-bath. Um, and then the inside's a three bedroom. So that one goes about 3,900 is what section eight is paying for, for those. And then the more, like, do you want all the details? Like, yeah, so you're taking in like almost $7,000 a month, or is it a little over 7,000 a month? Um, just for one house. Yep. Yeah. And then if you take out like, uh, the tax property and the mortgage, cause I do that all in one payment, it's about $2,200 a month the cost of that is $2,200 a month. So we're back to having like $5,000 left over to cover um, any other like capital expenses, maintenance. Are you paying for grounds there? Meaning does someone come mow or the tenants doing that? Yeah, no, I pay for a gardener. It's like 50 bucks a month. Other than that, they pay for utilities themselves. But although now that we're going to have the two tenants on there, and this is what we did on another property, we will, um, pay their water bill because it's so freaking expensive to get a different like to separate the water the electric and the other utilities is fine but the water is like it's crazy i have a triplex that isn't separately metered for the water and it was like thousands and thousands of dollars to get those things separately metered i didn't realize the cost of that when i bought that property when i yeah when i went to the county they said it was going to be at least like ten thousand dollars to do it Uh, this is with the previous adu because they have to they have to come in and like break up the the like the road and the like the curb and all of those things and then they have to redo it so it's like a whole thing that they have to do so they're like oh it's gonna be at least ten thousand i'm like "Mm, that's okay (laughs) 
we will just include it in the rent. So water is included. So but- one thing that we've done for that, and you need to make sure, I know California has weird laws, so you need to make sure that it's legal there, is we charge a flat fee for water. Um, like whatever the average water bill had been being, we charge a flat fee for that water. And then like whatever over that it is, we we cover. But different states have different laws on stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know necessarily what you can do. So what you're saying is that one house is cash flowing, meaning you're you're taking home every month an additional four or five thousand dollars just from that original property that you bought. Yeah. So so that's yes. So <laughs> definitely, um, and that's why we did it. We had done that on, on another property as well. So that's why I was able to like quit my full time W two because we did this strategy with another property as well, and then we also ended up moving from California and renting our primary. And so that's why I say like the rent just continues to go up in California. It's so expensive in California. Like I feel bad, but like that's so one of the reasons that I love your story is because I get all this hate on social media. That's like, yeah, but I don't have any money and normal people can't do stuff like this. And you know, like these limiting beliefs of like, it's not a possibility for you, for them. And you and your husband were totally normal, average American employees of both of your teachers and making a totally normal salary. It's not like you were making like some crazy corporate CEO executive position, making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And you, and you converted into this, you were very normal people. Um, you went this very normal route and now you're able to stay home and homeschool your kids and you're living this amazing life. That's been fueled by real estate. Essentially it's giving you that financial freedom. Yeah. And buying that, like I said, buying that first house was so much sacrifice, but honestly, this is why we talked to our ladies about like, if you have a goal, like you got to be laser focused on that. So my goal at that time was like, I'm going to buy a house. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to buy a house. And even last year, this time last year, I was like, we're going to build that ADU. I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but we're going to build an ADU. And just being part of the mastermind, I go in and like, I heard Tiffany High was talking about like self-directed IRAs. And then she referred us to somebody and and then that person, and I realized, I didn't even realize I had these funds available to me, like through my retirement funds. And so that's actually, we were able to then work with other ladies in the mastermind and like essentially help each other fund each other's deals um, through our retirement funds. So that was a whole process that I didn't even realize I could do, uh, you know, a year ago, but I had the goal in mind of like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to, this is what we're going to do. And then you just like, align everything with it and you just focus on that goal and it's amazing what you can achieve but you're absolutely right like most people think it's beyond their means but honestly if you have that goal like and you really do your research you'll figure it out we ran into a lot of walls um but we just kept going we're just like we're gonna figure this out there is a way through other people are doing it so we can figure it out too so you and I come from super different backgrounds and we both ended up in this place where we're investing in real estate and homeschooling our kids. I'm curious as somebody who was an educator and a teacher, how did you decide you wanted to homeschool your kids? Yeah. So it was totally an accident. (laughs) Um, We, so COVID, you know, COVID shutdowns happened. We were in California at the time. And they, I mean, it was a hard shutdown. So schools were completely closed. My kids were all excited because they're like, yay, no school. I'm like, nope, <laughs> you have <laughs> two parent educators. Like we have school. So I literally took that weekend and put all of the curriculum together and cre- you know, created what we were going to essentially, how we we're going to finish out the year. Cause it was like in March that schools shut down. And yeah, so then we kind of started homeschooling because of that. 
realized it was so freaking amazing. Like just getting to all the stuff they don't get to do in school. Like we were doing cooking and um, finance stuff and just like all the, you know, just stuff that you don't do like typically and like the quality of education versus the quantity, right? So really getting to focus on what their strengths are, what their interests are, and just like taking our time with it and enjoying it. We had such a great time with it um, that when it was time to go back to school and in person, all of us had a really hard time adjusting. So I know COVID was like so terrible for so many people, but like we really flourished as a family um, being together and we thrived. And for us to then all be separated, it was so hard on all of us, right? Like my son was having a hard time at school um, and dropping him off in the morning, he would be super defeated and he would like, you know, constantly just be like, mom, like you're a teacher. Why can't you teach me? And so really it was their idea. They were the ones that were really pushing for like, we want to go back to how it was when we were home, like doing school at home. Um, and so then again, so then our next goal became like, okay, how do, how do I be able to quit my job so that, or how do I get to where I can homeschool my kids? And that became the next goal. And again, not knowing how we were going to do it, but that became the goal. Like, okay, by next year, I want to be able to homeschool my kids. What is that going to look like? I have no idea, but that was our goal. So they, they kind of, they went through that whole year of public school and we got through it. And then, you know, it ended up coming, coming out that we had to come out to California, I mean, to Florida. So we moved from California to Florida and here we are. And that just allowed me to then quit my W2 because the housing in Florida is so much more affordable than California. I pretty much had my pick when I was like Googling, like I literally started Googling like, you know, uh, like more like the housing market or like where's a good place to raise families. And I just started researching and trying to figure out like what state we were going to end up in. So I really was open to anything. But one of the things that pulled us here too was Walt Disney World, which I think I know a lot of people are like, that's crazy, but we love it here. So we love being near Walt Disney World and it's so much fun. So yeah. So I love how different our journeys have been because I have zero skill sets of being an educator. I literally was in like special ed for spelling and grammar and all that stuff when I was growing up and I was not a good student. Um, I ended up being homeschooled myself because of that, because I was not doing well in school. The environment didn't work for me. And so when I was having kids myself, um, I decided for many reasons that I wanted to homeschool my kids from the beginning. And so for people who were going, oh my gosh, Carolina already had all these skills, her and her husband both. So it was such an easy transition for her, which it probably wasn't, but that's how everyone's going to see it with those limiting beliefs. I have none of those skills and there, I can't create a curriculum or if I could, it would take me forever and it might not be good. Um, going through and planning those out is not something I have time, skill, or desire for. So I use a program called Abeka. And what's really cool about Abeka is um, it's out of Pensacola Christian College and it's accredited. So they give you an entire curriculum. There's teachers on the screen to help the kids go through it. And it's like super well-planned. We mail all of the stuff into the school they give the kids the grades. The kids get a report card. They end up with a high school diploma. It's like homeschooling in a box as opposed to me having to create something. And yeah. I love that this is a, like, is it a, do we call it a society or a culture of homeschooling where there's so many options where you can either create it for yourself. They have it kind of all done up for you, but whatever your situation is for that, homeschooling is still an option if that's important to your family. It doesn't have to be somebody with that skill. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And honestly, like I, now that my son's getting older, he's in sixth grade now. Um, I, 
I think you're right. Like you have to assess like where your strengths are and what you're good at. And homeschool is like beyond just like the math and the reading, writing, like it's whatever you enjoy. Like if you enjoy knitting, teach your kids how to knit. Like, or if you enjoy like cooking or whatever it is, like that's homeschooling, right? It's just teaching them skills that you use every day or that you enjoy doing. So it's really assessing your own strengths and abilities. So my son's now in sixth grade and I do not enjoy teaching math. And I'm like, I don't want to relearn it to teach it. <laughs> so um, there's a program called outschool.com, which is awesome. And they have all these different, like there's clubs and all types of classes. And so my kids have done like Roblox club and Fortnite club, and they've done like dance, dance lessons. And so now my son, there's a credential teacher who's teaching which is genius, by the way, for those teachers that are maybe trying to look to get out of the classroom to actually go throughout school and like teach classes because there's so many homeschool kids that access this um, curriculum this way. So my son, it's like fully standardized math curriculum that he does uh, three days a week. And then my daughter also does it two days a week. So they're getting taught by a credential teacher um, their math because that's just not my favorite. Subject. I'm laughing because I, it's so funny when you're an adult before when you don't have kids or before you have kids, you have no idea at what level you're no longer able to help. Like I couldn't help with math after like third grade. I'm like, I don't know how to <laughs> divide, <laughs> multiply fractions. Like this is yeah. not something I remember. Yeah. And they actually teach math different now than they did when we were in school. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, I know my daughter's like, there's four different ways you could do this. I'm like, mm, there's just one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like a teacher. So yeah, no, I definitely assess where my strengths are and just like not my favorite subject. So I actually do math with my kids, but I focus on financial literacy. So we actually talk about like interest rate and compound interest and what's a promotion, what's a, what's a deal, what's a bargain, like what does that mean? And we'll look at so we do more of that functional kind of math. Um, and then they can get the standardized math from another teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Knowing where your skills are. So you're talking about moving to Florida from California. And you actually took that skill and experience of an ADU to your house in Florida. And you have a short-term rental that is kind of close to Disney. What's that? What has that I'm having a hard time talking today. <laughs> what has that experience been like with now having a short-term rental at the house that you live in? Because not a lot of people do that now. A lot of people will buy a property specifically to be a short-term rental and put on Airbnb, but y'all have it at your house. Yeah. So when we bought the house, originally we were just going to make that into an office. And then I realized like, hey, like I can make money here. Like why, why am I like, and I never used it because it's like detached from the house. Uh, so that's when I got the idea. I was like, let me do, make it a short-term rental. And we themed it out. It's a beauty and the beast theme since we're, near it's so freaking cute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it's, um, and honestly, like I, again, going back to the mastermind, so many of the ladies there who were just like experts and just have a bunch of short-term rentals, I relied on them heavily to like, they were so awesome and sharing, like, here's a whole list of everything you can buy on Amazon, like from the towels, all the little stuff you don't think about, like, oh yeah, I need a, like a blow dryer and like a wine opener and just things that you don't think about. So it was just so nice getting those lists. And then they even helped me. There was like a call that I did with two of the ladies we jumped on and they just helped me with actually listing it. Like, I don't think people realize how confusing it is to go because like Airbnb versus um, like what's the other v VRBO, VRBO. Just book it. Like they, all of those platforms look very different when you're trying to list it. And it asks you a million questions and you're like, I don't know, like what time do I need? Like, or how many hours in between or, and just 
trying to go through the details and the logistics of that, it was so helpful to have people that already have been doing it um, and doing it well so that I could rely on their expertise. Um, and in doing that, I actually totally messed up when I listed it on Book It. <laughs> so I thought that I could, fig- I like did the Airbnb, I did the VRBO and I was like, I can do it. Um, and I went to list it on bookit.com and I, I don't know, I did something totally wrong and it was, uh, did not, I ended up having like some really shady guests stay at the property. So for the most part, everyone's been super nice and it's been awesome. Um, and it's because it's detached, like half the time, I don't even know they're, when they're here or when they're not, we have cameras, so I, I get notified, but like, they don't hear us. We don't hear them. So it's actually been pretty nice, like getting that extra income every month. Um, and everyone so far has been a great guest. So like knock on wood, everything's been fine, but we did get one like super shady guest. And it was like at midnight, I got notified that these people were checking in and I was like scrambling because I'm like, what? Like, they're not supposed to be able to check in that late. Like it was midnight. And so I was scrambling to like try to set the smart locks because it was too late notice for the smart locks to like automate and like create their code. And so I was trying to like scramble and do that. I was making sure the room was ready, all of those things. And like, I, and I was confused too, because I'm like, they shouldn't be able to book it at midnight. Like they're going to show up any minute. And I was like, so we're freaking out. And so we make sure the room's ready. The codes are ready to go. And they check, they come in around like one in the morning. Um, and it's this guy and this girl and the girl's like in like a bikini kind of thing, like, which is kind of weird to show up, like legit, like two piece. Like, Cause you, it's not like you live near a beach. No, <laughs> there's no beach. There's nothing. I was like, this is weird. And they literally from one in the morning till like five in the morning, we're just in and out, in and out. And so we would just get the notification every time on our phone, like from the ring and the camera. And then at one point, like this older man came in and I was like, oh my God, like, is there like services happening <laughs> on the property? And I was just freaking out. Like, I didn't know what to do. And then like, we had just started listing it too. So it was maybe like a month in, I think. And I was, just, oh my gosh, it was, I was freak, freaking out. I'm like, what do I do? Um, and then the next first thing in the morning, I called Book It and was like, hey, like, how does it work with payment? Or did these people pay and all this stuff? And they're like, oh, no, you need to collect payment. I'm like, I am not a hotel. Like, you're supposed to collect payment. (laughs) Long story short, I ended up texting the guy. He didn't respond. I ended up knocking on the door. And I let him know, like, hey, you um, have to collect payment. And then he's like, okay, let me just, I'll I'll Venmo it to you right now. Let me get your number, da, da, da. Next thing I look at on the ring, the two of them are running out the house with all their luggage and like leaving. And I'm like, where are they going? So I go chasing the car and like stop the car. And I was like, hey. That's so dangerous. I know. My husband's like, why would you do that? Because he was at work at this time. And so I like stopped the car and I was like, hey, like, are you guys leaving? And he's, they're like, no, no, we'll be right back. We're just going to the store. I'm like, you have all your luggage. Like, where are you going? And he's like, no, we'll be right back. So I, of course, let them leave. They take off. And um, yeah, lo and behold, they never paid and they, you know, never got payment for it. And they stole all my toilet paper, my shampoos and like the the blow dryer. (laughs) So um, yeah, but other than that, they left the apartment. Okay. But uh, yeah, the, it was just, it was a shady situation, but that was like the only bad thing that has happened so far. Other than that, everyone's been lovely. I feel like everybody has to have some form of horror story with their rentals to learn the lessons, to put the systems and processes in place to like never let that happen again. So I'm guessing you learned not to use book it or random platforms. Yes. So I went, I like try to 
like work it with book it but they were just they're not very friendly with they are like that's your job like you you know I'm like I'm not a hotel or resort like I'm just a little like you know mom and pop we just got a short term rental here but so I ended up canceling it with book it and then I love that like a month later they sent me a bill because they were like oh here's like what you owe is for that rental and I'm like no like I never got paid like and then they were so rude on the phone and I was just I'll never use I'm like I won't use book it or just make sure you know what you're doing if you use book it but yeah that not the platform for me so as we're wrapping up, what is your biggest piece of advice for moms out there wanting to transition into this homeschool mom, real estate investor lifestyle? What is your biggest piece of advice for them? To have clarity with their goals. That's the biggest thing. Like if you hear what I was saying before, like a lot of the times I made a goal and I didn't really realize how I was going to do it. I just knew that that was the end goal. And because I everything I did was with that end goal in mind. Um, that I figured out the hows like going through the journey. So I think a lot of times we have, if you're, if your goal is like, I want to homeschool my kids, think about like how that could look like for you and what needs to change in order to do that. And don't be afraid to make the sacrifices to make that happen. Like we literally had to move across the country to make that happen for us because California is so expensive. There's just no way that I would be able to do that there. So I looked for a different market where I could buy the house and like the rents would um, cover the mortgage. And even then it still feels like you're jumping off a cliff, right? But if you have that clear goal in mind, everything you do, you do it with the lens of like, does this align with my goal? And so it's just really having that clarity. If you're all over the place and you're like, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this, you're not really going to have clarity on what that path is going to be and what actions you need to take to get there. Um, and that's the other thing. It's like you have the clarity of the goal, but then you have to do the actions every day. So when I was working a full-time W-2 and I was trying to figure out the real estate investing, I treated it like just like if I was back in college. So I would take, there were certain days I didn't really see my kids because I would lock myself in a room at night and like research markets and make offers and researching agents and all of the things that I had to do to level up my education to be able to meet that goal. And so I had to sacrifice that time and like put in the extra work on top of a full-time job. It's like at a full-time job. And then I had to put extra work on top of that um, in order to make that goal a reality. But like this present self thanks my past self for doing that and giving up those things and making those sacrifices. And so I still do that now. Like what is the future that I want and what do I need to do today to get there? So it's always like having that end goal in mind. I think that's such real advice that everybody needs to hear because if you are consuming any form of social media, a lot of the influencers make you make it sound like it's instant gratification that you're going to accomplish these things overnight. And you even see some of them who are in their 20s and they're like, I'm not giving up all the traveling of my 20s because that's my young years that blah, 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 blah. Well, that is an extreme situation. No one's saying you can't travel for your entire 20s. We're saying let's not travel for maybe two years. And the five vacations you would have gone on in those two years, you will be able to save enough money to change your entire life. And you yeah. can travel as much as you want to. You don't like giving up two years of traveling is in the long scheme of your life is not going to matter but how it will affect your finances and the lifestyle that you will have forever is worth the sacrifice if you can give up that short-term gratification. Oh, most definitely. And like not every step in the journey is going to look luxurious, right? Or be like super fun and pleasant. And it's recognizing that like 
that very first house that I bought was not in the best area. <laughs> like it was not, even my family was like, why are you moving there? I'm like that. It was all I could afford. Like that was all I could afford at the time. And I was like, I just wanted to get a house. And as long as it wasn't like, you know, in like dangerous. Gang- yeah. It, wasn't <laughs> dangerous. it just wasn't like the nicest, like luxurious area. But, but you know what, that little house is the house that keeps giving. Like we, like I said, we've done several investments and if I hadn't bought that very first house, I would not have been able to then do all of the things I did after that. So it's definitely those, like not every step in your journey is going to be super fun or look luxurious. And that's okay. Like you just know that it's temporary. And I told myself, I'm only going to be here for five years and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like I gave myself a time cap that I would not be there longer than that time. Um, yeah. And so it's just recognizing that too, right? That it's not always going to be fun and pleasant, but you do the things you have to do to get to your goal. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today, Carolina. It's been awesome talking to you about it. Awesome. Thanks, Heather, for having me. It's been so cool. Remember, ladies, that authenticity is your superpower. Stay unapologetically yourself and let's continue embracing our uniqueness together. Make sure you hit the follow button so that you don't miss our next episode. See y'all next week.